Hey, today on the 167, I'm meeting with Pastor Jake and Pastor Rick to talk move and about kingdom come. Welcome to the 167. Hey, welcome back to the 167. I'm here with Pastor Rick George. Yes, you are. And Pastor Jake Reeves. Can confirm. Way to switch it up, guys. <laughs> Didn't go with your uh, your really your go-to, I'm here and uh, present. Ah, uh, you betcha. Present. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, Pastor Lucas Motley. I'm the subship pastor at New Life Community Church, and we are here talking about kingdom come yes we are we missed you last week um actually pastor jake and i were in colorado and you know i'm i'm glad somebody around here can take time off and have vacations and yeah go and just <laughs> but you know fortunately there are faithful stewards that are here to hold the fort <laughs> i was really right. looking forward to like just you just teasing you guys had a great time i'm thankful I was really looking forward to the podcast where you're sitting here, you know, alone and going, what do you guys think about that? And run over to the crickets. other <laughs> Oh, yeah, like run over to the other camera angle. I don't know. That's, I don't know. That's a great point, Pastor Rick. Everyone who just <laughs> listens would have no idea what's going on. Like Rick's just talking to himself. <laughs> All right. Well, Pastor Rick, we had a great Sunday this Sunday. It was First Fruit Sunday. It yeah. was the time where we got to bring the first uh, portion of the offering. Uh, for move that was committed, and we had some great numbers uh, with the move commitment, and so we kind of wanted to let everybody know and to celebrate those numbers in case they weren't here on Sunday or they're tuning into yeah. the podcast. Yeah, so uh, you know there was a lot of anticipation to see what kind of uh, financial commitments were made, and uh, you know, we were very encouraged. Uh, a little. Uh, uncertain of what that might look like, and predominantly because uh, the initial numbers, just the total number of cards that were turned in, uh, was just a little bit less than it was when we did our last uh, campaign. Uh, a number of factors you know, are a part of that, namely COVID and our in-person attendance is down a little bit from what it was then. But you know, we had 245 cards turned in, so we thought, well, it's a, it's a good number. It's a little less than we had hoped for. Uh, it represents about 60% of our church family. So if you're listening or watching and you have not turned in a commitment card, uh, we could sure use your commitment, uh, no matter what the amount is, just to let us know, hey, I'm on board, I'm committed. Uh, it lets us know you know, who's kind of on board with us in this process. And you don't have to physically take a card and try and shove it into your computer screen or your, you Absolutely. Know, your phone. Uh, you can actually go on our website. Uh, you go to movegardener.com. Uh, it's there's a link right, right up near the header that yep. says online commitment card. And so you you can join, you can be a part of what's going on. Yeah. So we had you know again about sixty percent of our church family, the active part of you know our normal attendance now that turned in a card. Um, and so once Kevin took all those cards and manually inputted them into our poor Kevin, uh, I know he was like <laughs> plowing through it, um, but he got all those numbers. Um, you know, put into the system. And uh, then he sent me an email and he said, Hey, here are the numbers. And it was, it was pretty encouraging. Uh, so, um, was it like Sesame street? This is brought to you by the number. Yeah. The number. Yeah. <laughs> I so, don't think Sesame street's ever done yeah. that. Number. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a bigger number than Sesame street does. Oh good. Um, it's bigger than 12. So, yeah. Um, I was hoping that we would get close to our goal of $4.5 million. 
And then I was ecstatic when the number was actually larger than our goal. Mm-hmm. And so um, what we announced on Sunday uh, from the commitment cards uh, is for the next two years, uh, we are anticipating $4,661,000. Um, so that's a uh, that's a big win for our, our new life family. Yeah, excellent. Uh, you know, a, a bit of a a reflection, I guess, of of the heart that we have. So when you know we talked about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you know our heart is that you know that directs the course of our path, and it's you know where your money is, there the, the desires of your heart will be. Um, I think that that four point six million dollar number is the beginning of a reflection of the desires of our heart. Right, it's not the desire. Like we're not there yet, you know. It's a it's a great step. It's very encouraging, uh, and it's starting to reflect our desire as a church family uh, to just love God with all of our heart. I know. I really wanted to do that whistle where it's like, but I can't whistle. Yeah. Oh well. What? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, that was a very... like when you gave like the 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 four point six. I wanted to do like the. You know, like the whistle that everybody does where it's like, wow, it's the wow whistle. The wow whistle. Yeah, yeah there I, you go. No. I just can't. <laughs> I, I hey, I'm, I'm just going to go on record to say that was the most pitiful whistle that I've ever. Yeah. Th- no, don't thank, ever do that. that. Thankfully, our church's generosity <laughs> is much better than Pastor oh, yeah. Lucas's whistling uh, skills. Yeah. For so. Christmas, if you guys want to get me a, like one of those like, what is it? Slide whistle. A slide whistle. That would really help me out. I can just keep it in my pocket. Man, yeah. 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 No. <laughs> So yeah, well, you just need to edit or something that whistle out because that is that was that was way too pathetic. Let me just—I'll just do the Owen Wilson. Wow. wow! I mean, that was a great number. That was a great, great start for us. And yeah, it's, so it very encouraging. It doesn't factor in things like um, we're always counting on that there's going to be more people that come to our church that jump jump on board midstream with right. move, and so those are just that's just more and more amazing things that we get to do. Yeah. So if. If we experience what we experienced uh, the last time, so a few years ago when we did Game Changer, if we experience the exact same thing, what we will experience is over 5% additional growth numerically, uh, you know, financially, uh, which would then push that number up to about uh, 4.9 something or really close to $5 million, uh, which you know, is even better. Yeah, more ministry, things more we can do. Now, to clarify, though, um, you know, there were a couple of people who said, that's great, so now we can pay for the church. I was like, well, no, the church doesn't cost $4.5 million. That's kind of the seed money. That's, you know, that's what gets us rolling. So it's a one fund, meaning about half of that is our current operating budget. It just keeps everything functioning, uh, all the ministries going forward, the impact that we currently have in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps all of those things going, and then it infuses can, an initial uh, you know, $700,000 roughly each year, uh, about $750,000 each year into you know, getting us into a new building. Uh, so, it, it would be yeah. the equivalent of saying... Oh, I make fifty thousand dollars a year. So over the next two years, I make a hundred thousand dollars, so I can buy a hundred thousand dollar car or house cash. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. you can't yeah. do that. You still have to live. Yeah, yeah. you. And so uh, it's a great start. It's going to get us way down the road. It does not pay for a new church. Uh, the new church is still 
uh, you know, a significant... um, If somebody would like to, well, not that we're endorsing playing the lottery, or (laughs) or if somebody just naturally has a, you know, 10 to $15 million nest egg... Yep, that would be incredible. Yeah, you could... Well, that's the the question I kind of wanted to cover a little bit, because um, it's kind of like, whenever you reach a milestone, people's, the question on there is, what's next? You know, it's like, so... You know, we did this. We took the the offering, which was great. It was a fantastic first fruits offering. Uh, it's a fantastic commitment from our church. So, what's next? What does that propel us to? Yeah. So, what that uh, propels us to is then uh, our next step in the journey is to then finalize all those numbers. And so, it probably will not take place before the end of the year um, to get everything solidified. You mean the bank doesn't work through Christmas? Um, yeah, so we'll take all of the numbers, uh, everything that we're working with, and then we'll have a package that then we can go to lenders, banks, um, institutions uh, that we're currently talking with, and we can present the numbers, then they will take them and run them through their systems, right? So they've got processes and formulas and all the things that they work with to make sure that if they choose to partner with us, that they're making a wise decision. And so they'll run all those numbers, and then they'll get back with us um, and say, "Hey, this is what we're comfortable. You know, we can offer you, you know, a lending package of whatever six million, eight million, whatever the amount is, based on these numbers." And then we move forward. Then behind the scenes, while all that's happening, we're still currently working with contractors and uh, consultants trying to figure out how we can maximize the square footage of our uh, building while at the same time uh, reducing the cost. Did something just fall off of the... Yep. Our <laughs> wonderful podcast studio. Yeah. It's like... It's falling apart. It's all smoke. It's like, wow, <laughs> people throwing you, things at me. If you didn't think that we needed a building now, if you're listening <laughs> to the like, podcast and not watching, something just fell job, out of the Good job, guys. Ceiling. Way to throw that down. <laughs> There's <laughs> no like, <laughs> like, no, we don't need a new building. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in my peripheral vision, I just saw something like fall to the ground. Oh, yeah, a so. piece of insulation. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, man, if you yeah, only could see this uh, incredible <laughs> studio that we are working yeah, I mean, in. But it sounds like it's a lot like when people build a home. You're working with the builder. Yeah. You're working with um, the person that's developing the area. You're working on all those things while you get money from the bank and the loan. Yeah, so exactly. it's a lot of paperwork. And, and because of our current climate, um, culturally, it is so fluid and moving and fluctuating all the time. Supply chains, oh, you know, you've heard that word. Oh, yeah. You know, so <laughs> supply chain... Uh, I mean, even this morning, you know, had a conversation with um, a contractor and a an engineer talking about steel prices and some ways that we can uh, maximize our uh, our space while minimizing the amount of steel and how we go about doing this. It's just a man. It is a I've constant. Heard, I, I never knew I, they should have a class in seminary to teach you building. about steel and structural engineering and all those kinds of things. Cause I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah. I heard that you can make bricks out of mud and straw. Well, I, I did that out of VBS as a child. Did, yes, you did the a, outdoor VBS. Absolutely. Yeah. I did. Yeah. It's a uh, mud and hay and felt boards, you know, and it's hey, we got a church. Yeah, it is. Yep. Way. Yeah. So we're moving forward. All that's happening, kind of behind the scenes, and then we're working with banks and lenders behind the scenes. And then what is visible 
is the ongoing ministry that we provide day in and day out to our church family and to our community. And all of those things are continuing on. We're doing an incredible job. This past weekend was so encouraging because it wasn't just, hey, let's talk about the kingdom that might be out there somewhere. We're not even sure what it is, Um, but we're talking about his kingdom coming. And then, you know, we're bringing money like our our first fruits to help build this kingdom, whatever that is, mm-hmm. right? But then visibly played out right in front of our eyes was this process of building the kingdom as we watched lives being transformed. Yeah, the testimonies of people saying, "I I'm on this journey with Christ, and I want to be water baptized." And yeah, my life has been a mess, and in some ways, it still is like mm-hmm. a train wreck. But, um, you know, it's it's something that I'm working on, and I want to take this step of faith. And it was a beautiful picture, I felt, of talking about this kingdom that is not yet and a kingdom that is among us and watching those two things come together as we brought money, saying this is a reflection of our heart, but then we brought lives, saying, gee, this is what we're investing in, these lives that are being transformed. It was... I thought it was, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. So it was a great Sunday. And I, I kind of wanted to, to jump off that, like what you're talking about when you're saying it's the, what is it people say? It's the now, but not yet. Yeah. You know, it's the kingdom come. It is here, but it's kind of intangible. And uh, I'm going to actually pick on Pastor Jake since yeah. he finished his master's in Bible. Ooh, oh, yeah, buddy. We're going to put right. that to the test today. Yeah, I'll be back in a little while because you're way over my head. I don't <laughs> have... <laughs> It better be like the eight books that I had to write massive. Beyond that, who knows? <laughs> well, it's the gospel and the words. I'm just I know, no, no, because <laughs> uh, you had written uh, and you took us to uh, Luke 17 and and John 18 uh, this week in your message, and um, those verses are it's along lines Luke 17 where he's saying. Hey, the kingdom is not something that you can go there. It is, and there it is over mm-hmm. there, and here, you know, like it's not something that's, you know, that's got a signpost on it. It's not a flag. It's not, you know, even though I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the same, you know, like you know, yeah. Um, and then John eighteen, he says um, that basically the kingdom of heaven is near. Like it's something that's in our hearts, and it's something that's that's mm-hmm. almost manifest, but not quite here. And so I just wanted to talk about, um, like what exactly are we looking for when we talk about the kingdom come? Uh, we just had the youth conference. Like, what is it that we're looking for? If we can't just go, oh, look, there's the kingdom. How do we know that it's near? Like, how do you? Good yeah. question. What's, go what's, ahead, Jake. What's yeah. the Bible that. college answer on that? The yeah. Bible, co- I mean, I can I can actually, it is funny. One of my uh, classes, we, we uh, dipped into this a little bit. And I loved, um, I actually really did love my professor's take on it. And so I'll parrot that, you know, I'm not claiming originality on this. And um, I think one of the best places that we can see it is actually if you jump back into Matthew uh, 5 through 7 with the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is describing, you know, he's, he's essentially laying out Christian ethics for us. Um, and I think that's the thing of, you know, poorly quoting what Pastor Rick <laughs> preached on Sunday um, uh, about, you know, the kingdom. It's the rule and reign um, yeah, of a that? sovereign God yeah, in, over the hearts and lives of people who willingly submit to him. Right. And so it's and it's it, a willingness to say, I'm yours. And 
if you have the source here at the table, you don't have to cite the source. Yeah. You just like cue him up. <laughs> you can cue him up, exactly. And so when you have that rule and reign in your life, that's what I love about when you take that, you look at the Sermon on the Mount, all of a sudden you see, you know, he's taking the law and he's uh, essentially saying like, hey, you, you know, eh, yeah, I'm coming here to fulfill the law, but also I'm going to be moving your heart even closer to it because this is this is my father's heart. And so you're going to see uh, you're going to see it in action. You're going to see it um, in the fact that obviously, uh, which is another sort of um, intangible but tangible, is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, um, mm-hmm. because that's how you are able to execute such l- crazy lofty standards that Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like don't even you know they're like, ah, oh, should I kill somebody? And it's like, no, you even are angry, and boom. Yeah, roasted. He, he really, yeah. It's it's an it's an interesting thing that he does with the Sermon on the Mount because basically what he does is he raises simultaneously raises the standards, and yet doesn't excuse it. It's like he's like, oh no, you don't even understand. I'm raising the standards, but then I'm paying it off. Right. You know, it's like going, I kind of want this house. It's two hundred thousand dollars. Like, oh no, 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 you don't understand. It's eight hundred thousand dollars. But don't worry, I bought it for you. And you're like. Okay. Like, so simultaneously, I'm not spending my own righteousness on it anymore. I don't have to strive for it, but it's also worth way more than I was intending. You know, we are, you know, citizens, residents of the United States of America. And that makes us, because of our uh, citizenship, it puts us under the authority of the government of the United States. People you know, often claim this is a free country. I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. Well, <laughs> like you cannot do whatever. Like, yes, you are you are free to do certain things, but you can't do whatever you want. There are there's a rule and a reign over you. There are laws. There are principles. There are things that you have to abide by. And if you don't, there are consequences to those things. If you do, there are rewards. The same is true with the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. So we are. Uh, residents, yes, of the United States, but this isn't our home. We're really ambassadors here. We are residents of a kingdom that is not of this world, and we can't just do whatever we want and whatever we feel. We are under the rule and the reign, the principles, the laws, the regulations of that kingdom. And when you follow those rules and principles, there are benefits that come from that. And when you go against them, you disobey them, you break those principles, there are consequences to be paid. Well, both of you um, have traveled outside the United States. I've only uh, traveled in North America. I've been to Canada and Mexico. You've been over to Israel. You've been to Europe. Um, I imagine it would be something like that. I don't know if you guys can recount a little bit of that, but to to be an American overseas, I feel like sometimes we get a bad rap because people like Americans act like Americans, yeah. <laughs> even though they're in another country. And they're like, well, this is the way that I, this is the, I'm American. This is the way that I behave. It's my culture. Yeah. It's my language. It's my whatever. And I, I imagine a little bit that w- that is how we're supposed to behave here where we're like, oh no, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. And I know that I am, you know, in this country, but I don't speak this language. I speak, I don't speak your way. I speak my way. I don't, I acknowledge your custom. And while I am here visiting among you, I will be polite, but this is not who I am. Yeah. You realize when you step out of this country and you go into another country, whether it be Mexico or in my case, when we went to Israel, uh, you realize this is very different. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I realized, realized that when we landed in Israel and there are uh, military vehicles with machine guns on the runway. You know, it's like, okay, this this is a little concerning, you know, that there, are, security. Yeah, that there are people with machine guns that you can see out of your window of the airplane and they're on the runway. It's like, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you step off and you just look around and you realize this is in some ways very uncomfortable because this is not my home. That's the same as a citizen of the kingdom and we are here in the United States, it should be a little uncomfortable. It's like, mm-hmm. this is not home. Yeah. You know, there's a tension here. And yes, I'm I'm living here and I'm under the authority of the government here, but ultimately, you know, the authority that I'm under is not of this world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I can disregard the authority of the government where I live. It's like when I'm in Israel, I can't say, that's ah, not what we do in the United States. I want to do whatever I want, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then never See come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a good way. Like I know uh, I've been on, I've talked to a lot of people that have gone on mission trips. I've gone on mission trips. And usually when you get there, like you get hooked up with the local missionary and they go, here are things that are impolite that you're going to yeah. do because you're an American. Don't do those things. Like I know you um, traveled through several European countries fairly quickly. Was it weird to kind of go from culture to culture to culture and still be kind of consistent in your own? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, like I, like thankfully my brother-in-law was a, I can't remember German studies or something. So he, he had done a semester abroad and everything and kind of prepped us. Um, but at that point I had, I'd done a missions trip in Nicaragua in middle school and then really hadn't done anything else. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was it was weird because I'd pretty much been in Kansas my whole life, and you know I was the youngest of three kids. My sisters were in uh, college at that point, which meant my family was poor mm-hmm. <laughs> by that point. So we weren't taking vacations. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, culture well, shock. So when we talk about that, though, what we're really talking about is going into a situation like that and bringing our practices, our beliefs, our things mm-hmm. to that area. So it's almost like, like I grew up around Chicago area. You go down to Chicago. Uh, I had a friend that actually lived for a while near Chinatown and you'd go there and it's like being transported to a whole different world. Yeah. And I think that that's what we are hoping for a little bit is that people come to Gardner and they're like, oh, like I thought I was in Kansas. I thought I was in the Kansas city area. I thought I was in America, but this actually feels different. It feels like yeah. heaven. It feels like the kingdom. What are some of the ways that you guys think that we as a church are really hoping to manifest like the kingdom here in Gardner. Yeah. So in my message, what I tried to articulate uh, in, in a portion of it is we will do whatever the King says to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not open for debate or discussion or protests or votes. Um, so when Jesus says, love your enemies, we're going to love our enemies when Jesus says, you take care of the, the widows and the orphans, we'll, we'll do what we can to take care of the widows and the orphans. When it says, feed the poor, we'll feed the poor. Um, when it says, again, set aside a portion of your income, bring it to me, then we'll do that. We'll, we'll bring our offerings, our tithes, and say, here it is, Jesus. We're just following your example, your principles. So our effort as a church is to communicate, teach, instill, encourage uh, to help people live out those principles in a way that reflects God's heart. And when we do that, 
people will be changed. When people are changed, cultures are changed. And so um, is it a big task? Absolutely. But we're not in this alone. There are other churches here in Gardner that want to Mm -hmm. accomplish the same thing. And so collectively, when we are doing our part, each one of us, it starts to have a, a an effect that grows exponentially, and I am I am praying that people will come to Gardner and say, "Man, there's just something about Gardner. It's just it's just an incredible place. There's you know, there's so much grace. There's so much love. There's so much compassion. There's it, it seems like it's it's a different environment here than other places." Well, and when you say that, I think about something that we've been working and talking with our girls about is. You know, like they'll say like, why do I have to do this? And I go, well, first of all, because I asked you, yeah. like you, the way that you honor your father and mother is when I tell you to do something, that's why you do it. If you'd like to know why I want you to do that, I'd be happy to explain that. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking about why you have to do that, the answer is yep. simple is because I asked you to. Yep. And so I think that there's a level of dignity and respect that then permeates from that. And so I, I think that'd be an interesting thing to see I, yeah. like the town majority wise going, well, why would you do that? Well, because God told us to now here's all the political implications of that. Here's the town wide, right. you know, results of that. But ultimately we're doing that because we think that that's what God's called us to. Yeah. So ultimately building the kingdom is building this structure environment, a heart, a willingness, a desire to just live full bore, all out, fully committed to Jesus and his ways, that's building the kingdom. Absolutely. So I just want to close with this last question, and then we'll wrap it up, is, uh, I'll, Jake, I'm going to pick on you first, and then we'll hear from I Pastor thought your Ray. last question was, what's for lunch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes. you go ahead. Um, where do you see, like, what do you think the biggest challenge of that is, is to take kingdom culture and insert it into the town culture? Otherness is difficult. Um and like we've alluded to it, and I, you know, we don't want to pick on it because all of us absolutely love Gardner. We love Kansas. We love, you know, the country we're in. But it also hampers us on one level because we don't like being, we don't like being under authority. Mm-hmm. We, we don't like it. I, mean, I had a conversation after the sermon with somebody who's like, man, it just, it just feels like we're being told not to question. I'm like, no, you, you question, but I'm telling you, there's going to be always gaps when God's calling you into faith. And to step into that faith, it's hard. Like it is, um, you know, obviously the more you do it, the more easier it is because you see that God's good. But um, the otherness, because it, it's going to feel unnatural. We like to be individualistic and have our own way. Yeah, so uh, just real quick, and I know we're running out of time, but mm-hmm. so when I say if Jesus says it, we just do it, period. Okay, that's just faithfulness. That's obedience. Going back to what you said with our children, okay, now loving the Lord with all my mind, now I can really dig in and say, well, what is this really all about when Jesus says whatever he says? Husbands, love your wives like Christ. Well, why does he say that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's not a blind faith, like I can't ever question anything. It's, okay, I'm going to start doing this, and now I'm going to dig deeper to understand the why, yeah. not dig deeper so I can try to you know, undermine <laughs> what God said and try to flip it and make it sound yeah. like something that I want. It's no, this goes maybe a little bit against what I want, but now I understand why. You see the goodness. Yeah, yeah, so it's loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, 
and strength, so your mind is included in yeah, it. Cool. Yeah, it's a it's a obedience and a bringing of the kingdom while we seek yep. to understand better why that is. Yep. So I think that's going to be, like I said, an impactful message. I think it's going to be you know a great part of move to see uh, to see Gardner like the actual culture of Gardner change. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for joining us in the one sixty seven guys. We'll see you next week. Have a great Thanksgiving. Gobble gobble. Hey, welcome back to the 167, and we're here with Seven Minute Stories and my friend Jordan. Hello. And Jordan's here to tell her seven minute story. Seven minute stories can be about anything you want. It can be seven minutes about your whole life story. It can be seven minutes just about what God's doing in your life recently. What do you think you're going to talk about a little bit today? Um, I think I want to talk about my journey and just how I got to where I am and stuff I've been through on my path. So. Fantastic. All right. Are you ready? We're going to put seven yes. minutes on the clock. Okay. Go for it. Um, so I didn't really grow up going to church. I didn't really know anything about it. And then I got to high school and I met Megan and we became friends and her family introduced me to church and I went there with them a couple times and I, I liked the atmosphere and I never really did anything more than just go. And then I had a falling out, and I didn't really go anymore. And then fast forward, I just recently, like six or so months ago, uh, came back, and I wanted to go back to church. I missed it. I missed the atmosphere and just how loving everyone was. It was really comforting. And so I started going back, and then I decided to start going deeper. I wanted to go deep and get stronger in my faith. And so I joined Michael's group with Megan, and we just really, like, went after it. I learned about so many things that I never even knew existed, didn't know anything and so it was a lot at first. It was very confusing, but I have really grown a lot. It's taught me a whole lot, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, and you actually came upon that kind of by accident, right? Like we were actually yeah. praying for somebody, and you guys got to see that and experience that, and then you were kind of like, oh, I want that. Yeah. I we threw you right in the deep end. Oh yeah. I went from zero to a hundred. I feel like, um, whenever I saw that, I think that's what really triggered like my hungriness for learning more is that was my first ever, my first time ever hearing about tongues, didn't know what it was. And then seeing it and like experiencing it. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, that's cool. So I feel like that helped a lot with pushing me and I've been hungry ever since. I just want to keep learning more. What would you say is something that um, in group, like what's something that you would have done something previously differently, but now in group you're like, man, this was before, but this is now like, what's the difference? What do you mean exactly? Like, um, like the way that you pray or like something that you might've thought like a, a different conception of that. And then you're like, well, man, now God's doing something different in my life and I feel different. Oh, definitely. Like prayer is a whole different story. Like 
going from thinking that I can't heal anyone, I have to ask for everything, and, like, going from, like, begging to, like, being, how do I word this? Like, um, I can't think of the word. Uh, not, like, asking, but, like, telling, but not, sure. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain that, but um, just being more confident in it and knowing that, like, for things that, like, I used to think, like, oh, God can only heal people. Like, that's that's it. And, and I have to sit there and go, please, 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 yeah. please, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's been a whole, a whole lot. So, like, just the way I see a lot of things in life has changed completely. If I have something that hurts or, like, I'm going, I have a lot going on in my mind, I just know that he's going to tell me something. He's going to tell me what I need to do, and I can put my full trust into him and just to have confidence in it and go with it. So, And you had an experience in your life group. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'll just kind of start from the beginning. My freshman year, I had gone through a sexual assault. And in that time, I didn't, I didn't understand it. Everyone kind of said that I was not like, yeah, that I was asking for it basically. And that I wanted to, you know, go hang out with whatever. <laughs> I don't know how to word that. Um, guess it's all the terrible things that people say when you experience trauma and it's like, well, it's your fault or it's Yes, blaming. people put the blame onto me and I didn't, I didn't understand it entirely. I thought that it was my fault. I thought that I did put myself in that position to, you know, make it seem consensual. And as the years went down, like I realized that, no, that's not what happened. And so it was like reliving it all over again. And I remember that day that it happened, I walked out bawling and I was crying, but I didn't understand entirely. I thought I just felt bad. And so um, fast forward, I had it in my mind never really dealt with it thought I kind of did but it always bothered me now that I really understood the truth and so when I joined group and we started talking about inner healing um, we did an inner healing session and we sat down and the first thing you said to me was what happened to you early in high school and I remember I will always remember that because no one knew like hardly anybody knew and so I think that was my real moment of like, yeah, he's real. Like this is this is it. This is amazing. And and for those of you listening, like when we talk about inner healing sessions, what that is, it's it's kind of half prayer, half counseling. Mm -hmm. But like that moment that you said, like it was, we sat down together and we were praying for you, and I touched your hand, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, "Ask her this question." And in those moments, you always feel ridiculous. I was yeah. like, "I'm going to ask her." And she's like, "Nothing. I played volleyball." Like. <laughs> But there was something there and yeah. you told us about it. and Yeah. So we went into that and I, once we got to the end, I had felt this amazing like weight off of my chest. It felt like I was finally free. And when I left that night, I... I felt like everything was different. Like the air was clearer, the sky was 
well, it was dark outside, but like the stars were brighter. It was just, I felt like a new person. And um, I also had had back pain. So whenever I, after that event, I had really bad lower back pain. And after that um, inner healing, we, my back pain just went away. And so we did, we started talking about deliverance in group. And then the more we got into it, the more we kind of realized, like, I had a deliverance. Mm -hmm. And so. Don't you love that when God, he confirms that inner healing by healing something you can actually touch and feel. Yes. It was, I didn't really realize it at first, but it was like a couple days later and I was like, I don't remember the last time, like my, like my back doesn't hurt anymore. And it was like constant, annoying, like. I went to chiropractors and it still like didn't help. And then I found out that like whenever you go through a sexual assault, that demon can attach onto your physical body and it can cause you that physical pain. And so with sexual assault, the pain that goes with it is more of like lower back pain. And so having those like puzzle pieces come together was just crazy. It was really mind blowing and it was just like, yeah, it's amazing the things that God can do and show you. And I'm so thankful for it. <laughs> what do you think was the the biggest piece of that? Like when you're talking about, you feel like you had more joy, you felt lighter. Um, do you think it was the forgiveness aspect of it? Do you think, because we were in that moment together and you were, you were kind of talking about taking on a different identity. Um, we called you the courageous one after. Yes. I mean like, so what do you think were some of the key pieces of that? Um, definitely the forgiveness part. I wanted to forgive, but I didn't know how. And part of me thought that I had it at first and I was like, okay, like, yeah. But then we got into that and I was like, yeah, I definitely didn't. I had never said it out loud before. I had never said that I forgave that person and understanding that that person is also a child of God, but they are lost. And it was really hard to accept that at first. But now I take it with me in everyday things. So it just, I, it's definitely helped me a lot with the whole forgiveness aspect and learning how to forgive people. To see them as children of God that they yeah. need forgiveness too. Well, that's, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that with us. And love your seven minute story. I, like I said, I think this is just the beginning of what God's going to do in oh, and yeah. through you. So I agree. And I just... I hope that me sharing this helps somebody else out there. So, Thanks, Jordan. Of course. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of The 167, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, get notified, leave a five-star rating and a positive review. Tell all your friends to listen as well. Make sure you go over to newlifegardener.com and check out all that we have to offer as a church and check out our messages online as well. Thanks for listening. 